0: Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Man, I'm pumped. I'm fired up. I'm ready to roll. Um, Don't you love it when God changes plans on you? You know what I'm saying? Like... God just kind of changed its direction last minute. Man, that's the best. And uh, because that means, <laughs> he's like, Ryan, I don't need you to mess anything up. I don't need you to screw anything up. I'm just going to give you a new direction. And, and the new direction we're going to go this morning is what the Lord, I, I actually deleted my message last night. And because uh, I didn't feel right. You guys ever not feel right about something in your heart? Yeah, I can't be the only one. So I stepped out in faith and I know what we're going to talk about today is what we need to talk about because of what Rourke just said. The Lord said, there's your confirmation because it lines up with exactly what we're talking about today. So the title of my message would be Decisions, Decisions, Decisions. Every decision we make has overflow. Every decision we make, we, when we decide to say yes to something, we are deciding by default to say no to something else. So when Amy said, yes, I will be your wife, she inadvertently said no to every other man on this planet. So in your face, all you single men. Um. But every time we decide to say no, we're also giving us options to say yes. Every decision we make has overflow. And Joshua, in Joshua chapter 24, he takes and he issues a challenge. He issues a challenge to the people of Israel. He's really old. He's getting to the end of his years and he issues a challenge for them to decide. We're going to start off in verse 11. And we're, I, I, I don't like just to throw something at you. I kind of want to give you context around what's being said here. So, then he then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites. you got to be careful with that one. Um, the Hivites and the Jebusites. This is the Lord speaking to Israel. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Also the two, the, uh, also the two Amorite kings. You didn't. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil. In cities you did not build, and you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Now, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. This is Joshua speaking now. Throw away the gods of your ancestors. Worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. This challenge. Choose who you will serve. Choose this day for yourselves who you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living Part of the reason why God wanted them to kick out all these people, wipe them out, is because he wanted to remove the temptation to worship other gods the best he could. Because the number one commandment that God gives us, and it still applies to us, is to worship the Lord your God and worship him only. Jesus said the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength if you're worshiping something else. But then this is like the phrase that gets put on walls of every house, that gets put on every piece of art when you walk through Hobby Lobby. In fact, Walmart might even have art with this phrase on it. Um, You can't go on a Christian website that sells art without finding a piece of art with this statement from Joshua on it. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's probably the most... If Jericho is the most famous story out of the book of Joshua, that's the most famous scripture out of the book of Joshua. People that have never read the Bible can probably quote that scripture. Because it's everywhere it's on business walls it's it's on it's just it's everywhere which is not it's not a bad thing to put everywhere i'm not dogging it i'm just saying it's famous then the people answered far be it from us to forsake the lord and to serve other gods it was the lord our god himself who brought us and our parents up out of egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Isn't that encouraging? Joshua said to the people, Man, you gotta, you gotta admire people that just speak their mind. Because there's something happening here, and he can kind of see through it. He makes this declaration, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But then he takes and says to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods. He will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. Man, that's so encouraging. Let's just all thank the Lord right now. I want, I want to give context to this because I wrestled with this scripture this week. I'm like, man, God, why would you put that in your... This seems to fly in the face of the whole narrative of scripture. But a better way of understanding this Because things can be lost to an extent in translation, little nuances, little nouns that are put on the original language. And according to Clark's commentary, which is a very old commentary um, written by a person much smarter than me, he said a better understanding of what Joshua is saying would be worded more like this if you go back to the original Hebrew. You cannot serve the Lord for he is holy and jealous unless... That's what was left out. Unless you put away the gods your ancestors worshipped. You cannot serve God unless you put away the gods that your ancestors worshipped. But the people said to Joshua, No! We will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, You are witnesses against yourselves that You have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord and obey him. So you notice, you notice, go go back for just one second. Joshua gives an instruction right here in verse 23. Throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. But they would not say, we will throw away the foreign gods. They didn't say it. They said, well, we'll serve the Lord. The other day, I've been working with Sky on stuff and, And it's just so funny because, like, I've been working on her to say um, um, sorry or please and thank you and stuff like that. And um, the other day, she was just in a a four-and-a-half-year-old mood. And um, she got frustrated at me probably because I can be frustrating. Um, Ames, you don't have to look at me like that. Uh, But she kicked me out of anger, which I laughed at. At first, and I'm like, I gotta, gotta, deal with this. So I took her chocolate milk away. I put it up away from her, and she goes, "Daddy, I want my chocolate milk." I said, "Okay, I want to give you your chocolate milk. I, I just, I want you to hear me. I want look at me, look at me, Sky, Sky, Sky." I said, "I want to give you your chocolate milk, but I need you to say sorry for kicking you." And she goes, "Daddy, please give me my chocolate milk." And I've been working on her with saying please instead of saying, give me this. I'm like, no, you don't get stuff that way. And so she goes, but daddy, I'm saying please. But honey, I didn't ask you to say please. I asked you to say sorry. You got to understand there's a difference between saying please and sorry. But daddy, but I'm saying please because that's what I want her to say please. God wants his people to serve the Lord and obey him. But the instruction was, throw away the foreign gods that are among you. They're trying to do both. Have the foreign gods and serve the Lord, but you can't. I'm telling Skye, just say, sorry, and then you can have your chocolate milk. And like, I'm talking like 40 minutes went by. She was sitting up on the stinking counter. And I just left her in the kitchen. <laughs> she just sat there like, Daddy, I gotta say, I gotta tell you something. I walk back in there. Yes, honey. Please, can I? Nope. I just walk out. No, Daddy, Daddy, I'll tell, I'll say it, I'll say it. I say, okay, okay, what was that, honey? Please, nope. And I and and finally, finally, I walked in there. She goes, Daddy, I've thought about it. I'm sorry for kicking you. I'm like, sweet, let's get this chocolate milk and let's have a good day. And God asks them. He wants them to serve him. But he asks them to throw away the idols. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law. Then he took a large stone and set it up under the oak near the holy place of the Lord, He said, see, he said to all the people, this stone will be the witness against you. It has heard all the words that the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Then Joshua dismissed the people, each to their own inheritance. Jesus, I pray right now that you will work with us, that you'll work on us, that you'll open our ears, open our hearts to hear you right now, Jesus. Holy Spirit, let your presence fall in this place because you want to do some work on us today. I thank you for what you've done already. I thank you for what you're going to do. In your mighty name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Joshua makes a statement. Choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day. We have a decision to make. And I have a couple thoughts for you today. Just a couple thoughts. And I want to talk to you about decisions. The, the, the dis, how decisions impact our life. The, the nuances of decision making, walking with God. And the first thought I want to leave with you is decisions, denial, and deny. Decisions, denial, and deny. Every decision we make has overflow. You decide to eat all that bread at the restaurant at lunch today, you're deciding not to eat as much of the main course you actually paid for. You know what I'm saying? There's a reason why... um, Buffets put bread and rolls at the beginning of the buffet. They're they're counting on you to grab the cheap stuff so you don't eat the expensive stuff. Man, there is a restaurant in, in Springfield called Ray Rico's Brazilian Grill, and it had all-you-can-eat steak, and they would come by and just cut slabs of meat. But, man, they had, I'm telling you, they had the best, like, um, they had a huge salad bar for one, which is just pretty much junk when it comes to a steakhouse. Don't fall for it, guys. I'm telling you. Um... But then they had, like, the best rolls. I'm not even a bread person, but they had good rolls. But, man, they would say, would you like a roll? And they'd almost try to force them on you. Like, like just come on, take these rolls. I'm like, no, bring me my steak. Like, come on. And, they, like, like, that person just walk around, and they're just, all right, here we go. Like, here we go. And I noticed that after, like, three or four plates of steak, the, the slivers kept getting smaller. But I'm like, it's all you can eat. Cut that whole – just slide the slab off onto me, Okay. Like, I'm not falling for the junk that fills me up ahead of time. I'm not falling for it. We have decisions to make. There's another place that was all-you-can-eat, and um, it was called Lambert's, and they're famous for thrown rolls. So what they do is they throw rolls, like, across. And they I mean, I'm telling you, the, probably the best rolls I've ever had in my entire life was at Lambert's. And they have, like, this this like almond honey butter type stuff. It, I mean, like, I'm telling you, people, you guys are going to be walking out of here early because I'm talking about food. Like, push those thoughts. You have a decision to make. Ignore hunger pains. But they would throw rolls at you. And it was, it's kind of fun, but it's also all you can eat. You can get... My, for, my, for my 18th birthday, I went there, because on your birthday, you eat free, um, and it's all you can eat. I got an 18-ounce steak, and I ate two and a half of them, and, um, but I would not eat their rolls. They're like, you want any sides? I'm like, no, bring me another steak, please. Um, I had decisions to make. We have decisions. When we decide to do one thing, we're deciding not to do another. When I decide to get on my phone and not pay attention to my kids, I'm deciding not to pay attention to my kids. When I decide to, to put headphones, you know, like, like I'm de- every decision has overflow. Every decision is a decision to deny something. And Joshua is telling them to decide. What he's telling them to decide is decide whom you will serve. You can serve the God of your ancestors. You can serve the gods that are in your house. And here's the thing about gods in their houses back then. They would have little carved statues or whatever of the local gods, the local variety. And um, sometimes they would have them in the towns. But the kicker, here's the loophole in ancient worship of idols, is those gods only protected you while you were in your home. They didn't go with you. So when you were you know you go from your house to your neighbors or your in-laws or whatever like they would protect you when you're in the house because that's where the gods were but God promised to go with them and 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 Joshua God actually gives him a highlight reel of how he was with them when they weren't in their homes that how he walked with them. And Joshua is saying, like, why would you even want to serve anyone other than God, the one true God? Why would you want to give up this, this relationship, this protection, this God that's with you 100% of the time for something that can only protect you? I say that sarcastically while you're at home. He's saying, choose every. Decision has a cost. If you choose to worship God, that means you are choosing not to serve other things. What does that look like for us today? Because obviously, you know, we don't have little carved figures in our houses that we pray to, like candles around, leave food at. Not not in the Bible Belt in the United States, really. I mean, there's, they, that still happens in India. That still happens in, in Africa. Man, when I was in Africa, uh, this is not that time. Uh when I was in Africa, I went to a witch doctor's house, and he had little things, and I got to pray with him, but man, I could tell you that there was an oppression. There was something up there, and he did not want us talking to his family, but man, we got to talk with them, We got to share the gospel, and he could not, it was crazy. He could not say anything. He was just like shaking, mad, but, but we were just, we stepped out to respect his house because it's his house but his family came out and he just like, it was almost like he couldn't move, but the gospel got to be presented. I'm telling you, God has more authority than any devil that can come against you, but but, I'm, you, you have a decision. What does that look like for us? The idols that we face today, I'm not gonna list like, oh, it's TV, it's sports. It's, yeah, you know all that. At the end of the day, it's really not that though. The idol... The idolatry that we have today really boils down to one thing, self. We love ourself more than we love God. That's really what sin boils down to at the end of the day. You want to indulge yourself. Really, almost every sin has to do with self. The first sin had to do with self. Man, this this fruit does look good for Nutrition. It does look good for eating. Eve was thinking of self. And we have a decision. And the cool thing is God cares enough, not only to tell us this in Joshua chapter 24 to choose what day, but Jesus weighs in on it in Luke chapter 14. And he he he's very pointed. And I got I love Jesus because he doesn't beat around the bush and our decision, our denial and deny. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, so I want you to understand, Jesus always attracted large crowds. Why did he always attract large crowds? Because he loved people, he cared for people, and God supplied people's needs before they even had a relationship with them. So often in churches today, that that we want people to be changed before uh, we want people to be changed before they come to God. God changes them after. God blesses them before. Like, like th- th- this is the, the reality. The Bible constantly said he had compassion on the multitudes. He, he cared for people. People were attracted to him because he loved them. He cared for them. He, he saw their value when no one else did. Before they had a relationship with him, before they decided to worship him, they found a purpose in Christ and they followed him but he also didn't cut corners in his teaching with them. Let's be like Jesus. Let's accept people. If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and your mother, your wife and your children, brothers and sisters. Some of you guys with brothers and sisters, that's not a far stretch for me. Um, Yes, even your own life. Well, that looks like, A prescription for depression. What is Jesus talking about? I'm glad you asked. We're going to talk about that. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Jesus, and we're going to look at it here in a moment and out of Matthew's perspective. But what Jesus is saying is you have to love God so much that your love for everyone else, by comparison, looks like hate. That's how all in you have to be with God. Like, he has to be an outlier. That's a good mathematical term for anyone that's ever done math. He has to be way up here. For instance, I love God way, I mean, like, I can't reach it. And my love for my wife and my children are down here. And But, like, if you just look at my life, if you just look at my life apart from Christ, you would think my, my love for my children are way up here, but when you zoom out on my love, it's actually way down here and my love for God's way up here. That's how much we have to love God. We have to love God so much that love for everything else, by comparison, doesn't even look like love. Wow, that's a lot. We have to love God more than we love our self. What is he saying? The second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as your self. There's one guaranteed in human nature that you love yourself. And God's saying, put yourself aside and love people. Love me more than you love yourself. Love me more than anything else in your life. By comparison, he said, otherwise you can't be my disciple. What is a disciple? A disciple is someone who, who steps in and follows someone, and they learn from him. Like, like if you're, if you're or, or some might call it an apprentice, but like the, the engineers have apprentices, and, and like welders have apprentices. They learn, and then they go and take tests and become a full-fledged like engineer and, and apprentice, correct? And you learn, and that's what a disciple is. We, we learn from Christ. That's how God loved. If you looked at how Jesus loved people, he loved people, but he loved God way more. He cared so much about his relationship with God that he would say and he would do what God told him to do, even if it meant that he would tick off the religion and the religious people of the day. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. So we have a decision to make. Because every time we, if we decide to follow Christ, we're deciding to deny ourselves. If we decide to follow Christ, we're decide, deciding to say he's number one. Like, my wife is not going to take his place. My children are not going to take his place. I, like, I love my wife, uh, my wife and my children more than anything else on this planet, except for Christ. I would willingly give my life, I mean, it wouldn't even be a thought to lay down my life for my family. But I don't love them as much as I love Christ. I don't love them. He says, count the cost. If I had to choose between my wife and Christ, I'm gonna choose Jesus. Luckily, I don't have to make that decision because she would make the same decision. Probably less for, for something less. I mean, if she had to choose between me and cheesecake, I mean, like, it's a toss-up. But I mean, like, um, um, for who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send delegation to discuss the terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So... You cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Ooh. Ooh, that's, that's hard. Jesus, everything? Everything. Everything? Every, everyone say everything. Everything. So when I, was, when I was in South Africa, I was really disappointed because I went all over that place and I did not see one thing that looked like this. I I I I could not find that place. Maybe some of you guys don't know what this one is, but let's go back a little further. Let's look at the original depiction of it. Um I I went all over South Africa, and I could not find that. I went on a safari. I did not see that place of residence. I went to a lion refuge, and I did not see Pride Rock from Lion King. I thought, man, Disney's full of junk. They don't even know what they're talking about. They didn't know. they, they, They did not do any research for this movie. That was not there. But what I did see was a bunch of houses that looked like this. walls. Leave it on this one for a second. This is really what I saw, not just in South Africa, but I saw it a lot in South Africa, but I was also seeing it in Belize and Mexico. Like, that looks like a nice house. That looks like the shell of a nice house. That looks like a big house. It looks like they even have a pool going on out front. But you could clearly tell something about this house. That It was never completed. That's not the result of a fire. That's the result of running out of money. That's the result of someone biting off a little too much to chew. And it wasn't like this was, it's not like this was uh, um, uncommon. Like these houses, there would be whole neighborhoods like this in South Africa. Like the, and it's not the builder's fault. The builders are the hired contractor. It's the owner not sitting down to count the cost. And you know what? It kind of threw me off. Because you, you see this stuff in the United States too, but not nearly as often. I'm telling you, it would be in the middle of the city. It would be in like whole um, cul-de-sacs. I'm, I'm tell, they, it, it, that stuff was everywhere. And it's not like, okay, it's just cut down for the season. They got to wait for winter. To, like No, you could clearly see that, that's grown up. Like, like, Ken, you're in construction. Does that look like they run out of money? Yeah. It, like, because if it was an active construction site, nothing would be grown up. That would all be dirt. They, I mean, probably they wouldn't even put the pool in yet. They would finish the house, and that would be like an afterthought, or not necessarily afterthought, but they ran out of money because they didn't count the cost. And the thing is, God doesn't want his people to be empty shells. Could this supply cover in a storm? Yeah, you could probably get in the middle of that house and not get wet. Um, it wouldn't provide a lot of warmth, but at least you wouldn't get wet. It, it has potential to be a shelter, but it has so much more potential if you finish it. And the God doesn't want us to be empty shells of what we could be. When we don't count the cost of following him, we will be. We have a decision to make. Following the decision, there's always denial. Because so often, what happens in life is we see something that needs to be done, but then we go into not do to denial about it. A couple years ago, um, like I hate eating healthy. I'm not gonna lie, it's the worst thing ever. Um it's just everything should be deep fried in butter. I'm just saying that's how I want to live my life, but I know that I can't live my life that way. And a couple years ago, um I I I personally I got up to 235 pounds, and um, I felt, I didn't feel good. And I was constantly having, I was having gall spasms. I didn't ever have my gallbladder removed, and different things. But what was happening was I was like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I go to the gym once a week at the time. <laughs> uh, I'm fine. I, I was in denial. I didn't want to admit it. The same is true with my head injury, when I cracked my skull open and I had to have brain surgery, I did not want to admit that I had a head injury because I was doing good on the tests they were giving me in the hospital. But then I went to outpatient therapy and they started timing me on those same tests. And I was scoring like, I'm talking like, above brain dead but like way below average that's where my scores were way below average but above brain dead and i was in denial i didn't want to admit that i had a brain injury that i needed to do something so i had a choice whenever we choose to 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 follow god the enemy's going to try to work in denial oh you don't need to do that you don't need to to work on that 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 person clearly, throw up that last house. Before he got to that point, before he got to that point, there were red flags leading up to it. And he was in denial to get to this point. But leads to the last thing. When we push through the denial, we're able to recognize that there's a problem. There's a problem. I was able to recognize, you know what? I do have a brain injury. And I do need to do exercises at home. I had to walk in a straight line. I had to take and have my mom time me on counting by 5. I had to take and like my mom would say, "Okay, here's a thing of change. Give me 300 or give me 300. Give me $3.45 or, 45 cents or th- 43 cents." And I and I had to do it in under a minute. That was the type of brain activity exercises I had to do to get my brain just to be average again. (laughs) And I had to push through it, and then I had to start denying myself. That means with me personally, after my car accident, I had to deny certain, like, I couldn't play my video game as much. And this is back when I was in my early 20s. I could not drink caffeine Because caffeine messes with your brain. I had to deny myself to walk in to what could lead to my purpose and my destiny. Somewhere along the line, this guy should have denied something so he wouldn't run out of money for this. But the cool thing about God is he doesn't want us walking around in empty shells. So Jesus says, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him. Choose this day whom you will serve. Are you going to serve self or are you going to serve God? Philippians 1.6. It says, And I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ returns. This is the really cool thing about God. This is where we have the edge over the Israelites in Joshua's time. Is Jesus paid the cost for a relationship with God. It's paid in full. You don't have to do a single thing to have a relationship with God. The cost of discipleship is denying yourself. That's a whole different cost. But the cool thing is when you decide to be a Christ follower, you say, I'm going to go all in with Jesus. I'm going to go after him. The Holy Spirit comes in you and he not only foots the bill for your renovation or your, 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 your new life, so to speak, he foots the bill for the continued renovation. So it's not on us to continue to change. When we trust God, he finishes the work. It's his work to begin with. He's not only the, the, the owner of the property, he's the contractor that's finishing it. And guess what? God's not running out of money on you. So what you're going through, God's working on you. You're doing better than what you think. So push through the denial, recognize the need to deny and then decide, I'm going to deny myself and I'm going to let, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit work on me. It's not you working on yourself. That doesn't work. It's letting the Holy Spirit work on you. And the Holy Spirit works on you in a number of different ways. He works on you in a number of different ways. He'll, He'll lay things on your heart. They'll say, hey, you know, um, you have a really bad habit about lying. And how about you just try telling the truth this week? Okay, God, I'm going to start doing that. And then you start telling the truth, and here pretty soon, you're not lying anymore. Like that's how the Holy Spirit works on our heart. It's just these, as we, as we go after God, He changes us. But we have to deny ourselves. We have to push, we have a decision to push through denial to get to deny. Because you're not going to deny yourself as long as you're in denial. You're not going to deny yourself as long as you're in denial. And the last and second thought I'm going to leave with you is decisions and dominoes. And um, you can probably see, you guys probably noticed, why are dominoes up there? He's really lost his mind. I have. Um, No, we... I'm going to read a story... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a narrative out of Matthew chapter 10, 37-39. And Jesus is kind of a parallel to what he says in Luke 14. But Jesus phrases it a little different. Matthew chooses to phrase it a little different. That's why it's so good to read multiple gospels. Every gospel is like a single-layer cake. One layer is great. Two layers is amazing. A three-layer cake, I'm telling you, that's close to heaven. But four layers of of the gospel, I'm telling you, that's where it's at. And right now, we're going to get a two-layer cake this morning. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. If If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, You are not worthy of being mine. And then he drops this bomb. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. There's something about denying yourself. Sometimes the opposite, Opposition, what I've heard in following Christ is, oh man, you guys have all these rules and regulations. I can't do this, I can't do that. No, it's not about not doing something. If you truly understood, it's only, it only costs you when you value the wrong things to follow Jesus. If you're valuing yourself more than you should, if you're valuing the like, you know, drug addiction and all that, when you value the wrong things, yeah, it does cost you. And it's not gonna be attractive. But when you understand what Christ values, it doesn't cost you at all because it's only in Christ, through Christ, and by Christ that you can ever walk in true life. Because when you live for yourself, Proverbs says, a stingy person, their world shrinks and shrinks and shrinks, but a generous person, their world grows and grows and grows. Because a generous person doesn't live for themselves. A generous person loves other people. A generous person cares for other people. And Jesus says, if you lose your life for me, that means you're not not living your life for yourself. You're going to find more and more and more and more life. Joshua makes this decree. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua's on to something. He's on to it. He understands that this is the only way to truly live. I'm not going to. I'm not going to allow other things in my life that's going to make my world shrink. Man, guess what? If I, if, if I serve a God that can only protect me in my house, I'm not walking out of my house. My world just got shrunk to like 1,200 square foot, whatever it is. But God's with us and he's for us. And Jesus says, if you give up your life or if you, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. What does this look like? For me, it started with the decision not to go into the military. I was 12 years old. My mom told me something that made me so mad. Uh, it, it made me not want, it almost made me not want to serve God. My mom told me something. She said, Ryan, while you were in the womb, I prayed That the Lord would call you into ministry. And I'm not joking. That ticked me off. I like, I wanted a kicker. I'm like, man, I didn't even get a choice. Because, like, three years before that, at a church camp when I was nine years old, the Lord called me into ministry. It was, Probably one of the few times I truly heard an audible voice of God. It, he's, I was kneeling down at the altar, boo and snotting. It was just one of those altar experiences. And, and I heard, Ryan, I want you to be my missionary. This call. And I, I popped up, and I thought, who in the world said that? It was a familiar voice, but it was a new voice. And I looked around, and there was no one within, like, between me and that back wall. But it was like right here. So I came home, and I, and I was like, Mom, this is what I felt at the altar. And so they had me stand up in front of the church. Probably the first time I ever stood in front of a church. And I stood on the stairs, and I said something like, are oh, call me to be a missionary, or something like that. And awkwardly. And then my mom told me at the age of 12. She said, I prayed that God would. I was like, man, I didn't even get a choice. I was ticked. And from that point forward, I served the Lord, but it was on my terms. I had a relationship with Jesus, but it was how I wanted it. I read my Bible every day, and I loved God. I loved Him, and He started working on my heart. Like He wouldn't let me run away from that that calling. He always kept it in the back of my head, but at the same time, there is this pull. Like, I want to go to the military. My grandpas were both in World War II. They served. One was a combat medic. One was an Army Ranger. My great-grandpas were in the Army. My dad was in the Army. I wanted to carry on the tradition. In fact, I'm like the first person in generations that has not served in our military. My dad wouldn't have if he didn't get drafted, but... He, he would have broke the chain, but he, he he served in Vietnam. But I wanted to, but I didn't want to be a grunt. I wanted to be an officer. So, I mean, I kept my grades up. I I um, played basketball, stayed in shape. I wrote letters to senators. I wrote letters. I applied to West Point, like, like their, their preliminary stuff for, for young. I even got a letter in high school like that I got approved, but at least for that first, you know, they probably approve everyone that first time. But I thought this is, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. This is the decision that I want to make. And it was in response to my mom saying, I prayed for this. And then I went to one high school camp, church camp. And I remember that the preacher was a missionary kid, and he was preaching about giving God your life, not in the sense of salvation, but giving him your life. Kind of like what we're talking about today, serving him wholeheartedly, choosing. And I went up, and I responded the last night of camp, And I prayed this prayer, prayed this prayer. And I said, God, it's time for me to step up to the plate and start swinging. That was my prayer of repentance. Not because I was a sinner, but because I was running from my purpose. I was an empty shell. I was living for myself. And it started a chain reaction. When you give God your life, it keeps giving life. It keeps giving life. It keeps giving life. You can, it, it just keeps giving. It's perpetual, and it's multiplied. So that led to me applying to Central Bible College. That led to me going to pre-seminary. That led to me... Um, I went from saying I never, I did not like teenagers when I was a teenager. I thought they were annoying. High school was too full of drama back then. And I did not, I didn't. I was like, man, I don't ever want to work with teenagers. That's like the worst thing in the world. Teenagers suck. Um, let's just be honest. Um, no offense, guys. Um, uh, but I didn't want to. I'm like, man, they're so full of drama. And then I just bumped into a youth pastor in line registering for classes. And he said, man, I would love for you to come check out the youth group. I, I, I love to get Central Bible College students to volunteer as leaders. So I, I just went out there, and I started to lead a small group. Suddenly, I was like, man, I, I need to pour into the next generation. And it started churning in my heart. I'm like, God, I don't want to be a youth pastor. I remember just getting down in my heart. Oh, God, please don't make me be a youth pastor. Please don't make me be a youth pastor. Oh, God, but, but I love these students so much. And I had this conflict. I said, God, I want what you want more than what I want. Jesus prayed a very similar prayer concerning the will of God in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but your will be done. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross, but he wanted to be obedient to God. So suddenly I found myself a youth pastor married to the most beautiful girl that's ever walked the planet. Um, Still is. And still are. better. Um, but we were student pastors for almost six years at a church and we loved it. Never wanted to be a student pastor. I, wouldn't take, I, I would not change a single thing. Loved every moment of it because when you give your life to God, he gives life to you. Is life that's perpetual and is multiplied. And I remember about two and a half years ago having a stirring in my heart again. And I thought, what in the world is this stirring? What is this, God? Like, I love being a youth pastor. I love pouring into the next generation. Suddenly, that drama that I used to hate, suddenly I love to help students walk through and 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 discern and discern the God's will. I just loved it. And and then he was like, I'm like, I think, I think, Ames, am I supposed, are we supposed to be lead pastors? And Ames' like, no, 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 no. We're not supposed to. I, I told people I would, I never want to be a lead pastor. I see the junk that they go through, and I don't want to deal with that. I'm perfectly fine with being a student pastor, I'll deal with teenage junk all day long. But the Lord kept working on me. I kept having these hard conversations with God. It sounded like, okay, God, it's time for me to step up to the plate and start swinging. This is what you want. And this domino effect went into effect. And a, a domino effect, you guys know, like you push one over and it can lead to a chain reaction. But there's, there was a study done in 1983, and just FYI, here we are a year later, lead pastors, and we love it. Because God just keeps giving. When you give your life to God, he keeps giving life to you. And there was a study done in 1983 by a physicist named Lauren Whitehead. And he discovered that a normal two-inch domino can knock over a domino that's one and a half times its size. So there's enough energy in this domino when I stand it up like this and I push it to knock over a three inch domino. And there's enough energy stored in the three inch domino to knock over a four and a half inch domino. And I don't have numbers after that because my math is very bad. So, um, but If you take and multiply if you take and multiply every following domino by one and a half percent by the time you get to the 18th domino starting with the two inch domino you can knock over the leaning tower of Pisa. By the 22nd domino you can knock over the Eiffel Tower. And by the 28th domino You can knock over the Empire State Building. That prayer I prayed some 14 years ago, 15 this June, was me saying, God... It doesn't take a lot of energy to knock over a two-inch domino. In fact, my two-year-old son has more than enough energy to knock over that domino and probably that door. Um, But anyone can start. I, I unintentionally knocked over that domino. Anyone can do this. Anyone can knock over their domino. We have decisions and dominoes. We have to decide today to give God our purpose, to give God our life, and to say, God, I want to start the chain reaction. Because that's the thing. That's what Jesus was getting at when he said, If you, lose, if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Because God never works in just addition. It's always exponential. If God would have told me at the altar almost 15 years ago, I want you to be a lead pastor in Columbia, Tennessee, that would have been like telling me to walk into the Leaning Tower of Pisa or walking up to the Eiffel Tower and pushing it over. It wouldn't have happened but when we say okay God I'm going to let you have this next decision I'm just going to keep knocking over that two inch domino here pretty soon you're going to be knocking over 18 foot dominoes here pretty soon you're going to be knocking over the leaning tower of Pisa here pretty soon you're going to be knocking over the Empire State Building here, here, are, you, are you tracking with me So what we're going to do today, we have an opportunity, because what I truly believe is happening today, I believe God's working on hearts, and I've been praying this. But some of us need to say, God, I need to give you my two-inch domino. You need to start that decision. What does that look like? Your two-inch domino could be, I'm going to get up early and pray five extra minutes every day. Your two-inch domino could say, God, I'm just going to listen to the word. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to turn off the TV. I'm just going to listen to the word of God. Ten extra minutes. Your two-inch domino could be calling that person that you haven't spoke to in your family for the last 15 years and saying, forgive me. Your two-inch domino could say, God, forgive me. But my challenge to us today is not to let this moment slip by when it's such a simple thing. When we give God our two-inch domino, we, we pray the prayer, it's time for me to step up to the plate and start swinging. The energy That God can do by the 28th, you can't make happen if you went to it.